This is the Literary Licence Podcast, Classic Novel Episode. Dealing with classics you must read before you die, and finding new life in between the dusty covers. Exploring page to screen and everything in between with your co-hosts, Jesse Woods, Ricky Ray, Leandro Getzi, and Keith Chalgo, who ensure to bring the fun to an old stand. Welcome to Literary License Podcast, and today we're discussing our classic novels, Robinson Crusoe, which was published in 1719, and the 1954 Academy Award nominee, Robinson Crusoe, the same name. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. First, we have Leandro Gazzi. Hello, Leandro. How are you? Hi, how are you today? Hi, Leandro. Hi. Oh, don't groove it. And what about yourself, Vicky? Ray, how are you? Hello. And myself, Keishago, Jesse Fultz, is away at college. We may never see him again. Nope. Too much party. Oh, but we will see him next week for Bewitched. For some reason, he doesn't seem to have college on Bewitched days. Who I don't know thought? why that is. I know. Funny that. <laughs> so before we get started, let's find out what we've been up to. Starting with you, Vicky. What have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Well, not a whole lot. We're still kind of getting stuff situated because of that Texas storm fiasco kind of thing. Other than that, I've been uh, watching a few fun things here and there, like Time Team. I love archaeology. And that's been on, I think it's Amazon Prime. And I didn't know it. And I just started watching it. And I love how they do their archaeology in three days. A lot of it's totally not scientific, but they cover some cool stuff. But, and I kept going on the discovery of witches. And, and then my buddy Joe's got me watching Hammer films and all kinds of CD, 80 and 90s horror flicks, which are so bad, they're good. <laughs> you know but other than that we're getting ready for asher super nationals this week we're in a little bit of a slump lately so we're hoping we'll you know catch up but we got all these kids from california that always come over here and race because they can't race in california and texas is pretty much open so they come over here and wax our ass all the time <laughs> so we're hoping to have i will settle for third or fourth place this weekend so other than that not much the usual well what's up leandro what have you been up to um, well, I've been carrying on working with uh, the two allotments that I have. Um, basically, that and now next month I have to go back to work, so I'm trying to get ready for that. And and Leandro knits. It's really sexy, ladies. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Myself, um, I'm still. I'm now into season six of Vampire Diaries. I've been. Sp- Beating through that. And, it's uh, hard not to stop watching. I love it. I think I, you're going to be at the bump in the road. Is it between season six and seven kind of ticked me off? Yeah. But well, what's her name leaves, doesn't she? I know she, she leaves, leaves. Yeah. For a while. And they go off of so. this tangent, which really annoyed the hell out of me. But I, I just wish she would have mm-hmm. hung in there just for a little bit longer. But she, you know, she does come back kind of sort of. So. Yeah. So I finish, I imagine what I'll do is I'll finish that. Then I'll probably move to the originals. I loved the originals. Oh my god, it's and fantastic! The th- and the th- and the third series, um, the third spinoff series, The Legionnaires, yeah. which has now been signed for another season. Which so, one? The Legionnaires, which is the spinoff of the, the originals. I know there was one with the kids. Yep, that's it. Legion. Um, What's so it basically, yeah, the originals is um. I know it's originals. I'm trying to remember legacy. And, wait, legacy. Can, it's legacies. Legacy. That's it. Yeah, I was so, going to say, did I miss one? <laughs> no, I'll probably, so probably start off on that. But besides that, not, I haven't been watching a lot 
else because my life's been consumed by that. And we're um, started reading our next book, which is um, Gulliver. know, Gulliver's Travels, which you know we're I'm thinking about changing the movie, folks, but we'll keep you informed about what movie we'll actually do with that with that book. But besides that, um, not a lot, actually. Um, work, 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 and yeah. lockdown's coming to an end, and my hours are going back to normal next Thank week. Thank God. So I'm looking forward to that. So that brings us to the novel Robinson Crusoe, which is a novel by Daniel Defoe, first published on the 25th of April, 1719. The first edition credited the work's protagonist, Robinson Crusoe, as its author, leading many readers to believe he was a real person and a book, a travelogue of true incidents. Conf um, confessional and dietetic in form, the book is presented in an autobiographically autobiography of the title character whose birth name is Robinson Crossaner, a castaway who spends 28 years on a remote tropical desert island near the coast of Venezuela and Trinidad, encountering cannibals, captives, and mutineers before ultimately being rescued. The story has been thought to be the basis of the life of Alexander Sirkirk, a Scottish castaway who lived for years on a Pacific island called Massateria, um, now part of Chile, which was renamed Robinson Crusoe Island in 1966. Despite its simple narrative style, Robinson Crusoe was well-received in the literary world and is often credited as the beginning of a realistic fiction as a literary genre. It is generally seen as a contender for the first English novel. Before the end of 1719, the book has already run through four editions and has gone on to become one of the most widely published books in history, spawning so many imitations not only in literature, but also in film, television, and radio. That is named it used to define a genre, the the Robinsonade, the Robinsonade. <laughs> um, of course, um, for our listeners out there, Robinson Crusoe will also be the basis for TV shows like Lost, Castaway with Tom Hanks, Delegate The Island. Martian, so on and so forth. So, what we're going to do is cut to the synopsis of Robinson Crusoe. We'll be right back to discuss the novel. And here's a synopsis of Robinson Crusoe. Robinson Crusoe is an Englishman from the town of York in the 17th century, the youngest son of a merchant of German origin. Encouraged by his father to study law, Crusoe expresses his wish to go to sea instead. His family is against Crusoe going out to sea, and his father explains that it is better to seek a modest, secure life for oneself. Initially, Robinson is committed to obeying his father, but he eventually succumbs to temptation and embarks on a ship bound for London with a friend. When a storm causes the near deaths of Crusoe and his friend, the friend is dissuaded from sea travel, but Crusoe still goes on to set himself up as a merchant on a ship leaving London. This trip is financially successful, and Crusoe plans another, leaving his early profits in the care of a friendly widow. The second voyage does not prove as fortunate. The ship is seized by Moorish pirates, and Crusoe is enslaved as to a potentate in the North African town of Sally. While on a fishing expedition, he and the slave boy break free and sail down the African coast. A kindly Portuguese captain picks them up, buys the slave boy from Crusoe, and takes Crusoe to Brazil. In Brazil, Crusoe establishes himself as the plantation owner. 
and soon become successful. Eager for slave labor and its economic advantages, he embarks on a slave-gathering expedition to West Africa, but ends up shipwrecked off of the coast of Trinidad. Crusoe soon learns he is the sole survivor of the expedition and seeks shelter and food for himself. He returns to the wreck's remains 12 times to salvage guns, powder, food, and other items. On shore, he finds goats he can graze for meat and builds himself a shelter. He erects a cross that he inscribes with the date of his arrival, September 1st, 1659, and makes a notch each day in order never to lose track of time. He also keeps a journal of his household activities, noting his attempts to make candles, his lucky discovery of sprouted grain, and his construction of a cellar, among other events. In June 1660, he falls ill and hallucinates that an angel visits, warning him to repent. Drinking tobacco-steeped rum, Crusoe experiences a religious illumination and realizes that God has delivered him from his earlier sins. After recovering, Crusoe makes a survey of the area and discovers he is on an island. He finds a pleasant valley abounding in grapes where he builds a shady retreat. Crusoe begins to feel more optimistic about being on the island, describing himself as its king. He trains a pet parrot, takes a goat as a pet, and develops skills in basket weaving, bread making, and pottery. He cuts down an enormous set of tree and builds a huge canoe from its trunk, but he discovers that he cannot move it to the sea. After building a smaller boat, he rows around the island but nearly perishes when swept away by a powerful current. Reaching shore, he hears his parrot calling his name and is thankful for being saved once again. He spends several years in peace. One day, Crusoe is shocked to discover a man's footprint on the beach. He first assumes the footprint is the devil's, then decides it must belong to one of the cannibals said to live in the region. Terrified, he arms himself and remains on the lookout for cannibals. He also builds an underground cellar in which to herd his goats at night and devises a way to cook underground. One evening, he hears gunshots, and the next day he is able to see a ship wrecked on his coast. It is empty when he arrives on the scene to investigate. Crusoe once again thanks Providence for having been saved. Soon afterward, Crusoe discovers that the shore has been strewn with human carnage, apparently the remains of a cannibal feast. He is alarmed and continues to be vigilant. Later, Crusoe catches sight of 30 cannibals heading for shore with their victims. One of the victims is killed. Another one, waiting to be slaughtered, suddenly breaks free and runs toward Crusoe's dwelling. Crusoe protects him, killing one of the pursuers and injuring the other, whom the, fa- whom the victim finally kills. Well-armed, Crusoe defeats most of the cannibals on shore. The victim vows total submission to Crusoe in gratitude for his liberation. Crusoe names him Friday to commemorate the day on which his life was saved and takes him on as his servant. Finding Friday cheerful and intelligent, Crusoe teaches him some English words and some elementary Christian concepts. Friday, in turn, explains that the cannibals are divided into distinct nations and that they only eat their enemies. Friday also informs Crusoe that the cannibals saved the men from the shipwreck Crusoe witnessed earlier, and that those men, Spaniards, are living nearby. Friday expresses a longing to return to his people, and Crusoe is upset at the prospect of losing Friday. Crusoe then entertains the idea of making contact with the Spaniards, and Friday admits that he would rather die than lose Crusoe. The two build a boat to visit the cannibals' land together. Before they have a chance to leave, they are surprised by the arrival of 21 cannibals in canoes. 
The cannibals are holding three victims, one of whom is in European dress. Friday and Crusoe kill most of the cannibals and release the European, a Spaniard. Friday is overjoyed to discover that another of the rescued victims is his father. The four men return to Crusoe's dwelling for food and rest. Crusoe prepares to welcome them into his community permanently. He sends Friday's father and the Spaniard out in a canoe to explore the nearby land. Eight days later, the sight of an approaching English ship alarms Friday. Crusoe is suspicious. Friday and Crusoe watch as 11 men take three captives on shore in a boat. Nine of the men explore the land, leaving two to guard the captives. Friday and Crusoe overpower these men and release the captives, one of whom is the captain of the ship, which has been taken in a mutiny. Shouting to the remaining mutineers from different points, Friday and Crusoe confuse and tire the men by making them run from place to place. Eventually, they confront the mutineers, telling them that all may escape with their lives except the ringleader. The men surrender. Crusoe and the captain pretend that the island is an imperial territory and that the governor has spared their lives in order to send them all to England to face justice. Keeping five men as hostages, Crusoe sends the other men out to seize the ship. When the ship is brought in, Crusoe nearly faints. December 19, 1686, Crusoe boards the ship to return to England. There he finds his family is deceased except for two sisters. His widow friend has kept Crusoe's money safe, and after traveling to Lisbon, Crusoe learns from the Portuguese captain that his plantations in Brazil have been highly profitable. He arranges to sell his Brazilian lands. Wary of sea travel, Crusoe attempts to return to England by land, but is threatened by bad weather and wild animals in northern Spain. Finally arriving back in England, Crusoe receives word that the sale of his plantations has been completed and that he has made a considerable fortune. After donating a portion to the widow and his sisters, Crusoe is restless and considers returning to Brazil, but he is dissuaded by the thought that he would have to become Catholic. He marries and his wife dies. Crusoe finally departs for the East Indies as a trader in 1694. He revisits his island, finding that the Spaniards are governing it well and that has become a prosperous colony. And now, everybody, let's get back to the show. It's been a pleasure. Welcome back to the Literary License Podcast, and we're discussing the 1719 classic novel of Robinson Crusoe. So starting with you, Leandro, what are your thoughts on Robinson Crusoe, the novel? Be honest. Uh, for me, it was really interesting because uh, I read this book before, right? The first time I, I, I read this book, I think I was like maybe nine years old, but it was an adaptation. Uh, well, and I read it in Spanish. And so when I read this I knew the story. I knew what was going to happen. What gave me this book was more like details and more details about, for example, what you said at the beginning that I didn't know that was like basically kind of like in the real person, right? And then based on the true story. Uh, I enjoyed, but it was a bit complicated for me to read because the way it's written is, I imagine it's like old English with some words are like um, divided, like, you know, like, spell different way and um, other parts that I couldn't even understand because the language is totally different to what I have learned. 
Uh, I really enjoy the story. It's easy to read, more all in all. In all. Um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting story. I, I like it. Yeah. What about you, Vix? Well, I didn't hate it. <laughs> but, I mean, I found myself having to keep going back and stuff. I mean, it was a good book. I mean, it basically, it... it it was about, it was, well, he was kind of a dis, dissenting writer anyway, but it was kind of like capital capitalism. It was about adventure. Um, it had counting in it, animal husbandry, you name it, this book covered all of it. And I think that Defoe had did that on purpose. He it pretty much in, encapsulated pretty much everything that was going on in his life. Um, it's a, it's, it's like a, it's a moral tale and it, it tries to illustrate uh, right and wrong ways to live one's life. And I found a hard, I, I guess this was written in, was it the sixth, 17th century, right? 17th? Yeah. Seven, yeah. 1719. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, so that, yeah. So that'd be the 18th century. Yeah. Yeah. But um, you could tell that this was definitely set back then because it was all about, you know, you know, the slave trade, the African slave trade. It was, you know, it, it, it was kind of hard to take certain ways because he would develop these relationships and he was trying to be a good Christian, but he was also quite narcissistic. I thought, you know, he had a good friend. I think he pronounced it Zuri. He, but he just mm-hmm. sells him off. You know, he does everything. Even people are commodities in this book. And it's kind of hard to, to get through it because your brain is in a different set compared to as it three, 400 years ago when the book was written and he did write up, I think he wrote several more novels in the span of this time, Roxana, and I forget yeah. what the other is. And he also wrote a bunch of sequels to this as well. Yeah, he did, which I didn't even know about till I started. I thought, because this was like your required re- basic reading in high school. I mean, I liked it. I mean, it does put you in a totally different era, and he, he's pretty much relying on experiences. And I don't know if him being locked up in Northgate was, you know, juxtaposed into this at all but i mean he 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 was you know he wrote things for the anglicans and the protestants and it seemed like he was going back and forth a lot in this so i mean i i had a hard time absorbing the input i guess personally i didn't enjoy it at all um (laughs) and it has nothing to do with i mean be honest i mean I'm surprised that the woke generation hasn't come after this one. No but, kidding. But they will. Uh, but, but that's not the but that's not the reason why I didn't enjoy it. Um, I have a problem because it's written in the first person, and the thing is, yeah. I this and I this and I I I I I makes him sound narcissistic. <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, uh, is uh, you got to you got to kind of enjoy the person that you're speaking with, and yes. so you're speaking to this person for you know you're spending like seven hours with this person, and you know, and he's, and I guess there's another thing. He also reminds me of these, you know how tourists will come to a, will go to a foreign country and then bitch about the foreign country not yes. being like the country that they left? You know, like English people go to Greece and go, oh, you just can't get good fish and chips here. It's like, well, you're in fucking Greece. It's exactly. like, give me a break. You know what I mean? You're in Greece. <laughs> it's like, eat great food. That's what you need to do. And he was always a bit like this. And I also found that it was kind of hard that he... Because he's egotistical and he thinks he's God's gift. And, and, and anytime he does anything wrong, he thinks God's going to get him out of it and doesn't right. take responsibility for anything that he does. So for me, it wasn't the colonization and stuff like that. I do understand that, you know, this was going on at the same time. And I do understand, you know, that time period in the framework of that. 
But when you're actually kind of reading it from a first person's perspective and reading in on it, sometimes it's really, it actually makes it even harder to swallow than the reality of the situation for me. He acts like a Catholic that knows he can go to confession. You know what I mean? And yeah. he's just going to go right back out and sin. After. Yeah, and it's also someone who doesn't accept responsibility. And even when he comes across Friday, eventually, which she names him after day of the week that he found yeah. him. And then she you know, gives him religion. Yeah, and changes the way he thinks. And be honest, I think that if Friday didn't um, succumb to Robinson Crusoe's way of thinking, he probably would have killed him. Yeah, basically. Sort of thing. And so there's a lot, there's a kind of a lot about that and about, you know, and I guess, you know, and I also found that there's some of the symbolism is a bit odd. I mean, the first thing that he saves from the wreckage is guns. Yeah. That's the first thing he saves. So, it's, you know, and then it was the tools. And then with that, when it, then when anything bad happened because he didn't plan properly or didn't, he, he's praying to God to help him out of everything. And, and he thinks that God saved him because of the first wreck. I mean, this guy should never been on a ship anyway, because obviously if, if he's on a ship with you, your ship's going to sink. Because well, he was really what. into um, overcoming his obstacles and controlling the situation throughout the whole book. It, and that included people, places and things, basically, you know, and it was all about the bottom line, even while he was by himself on a deserted island. Yeah, it was weird. Well, it was and weird. Did it call your attention? I was, when I was reading, there was like one part that even he mentioned it about the uh, parable of the prodigal son. Yeah, yeah. And then I was reading that, and th that point I stopped and I thought, "Well, hold on. This is this this book. I realized then <laughs> that this book could be like an example of that. Like, imagine you take the parable and then you write this book, and I thought." Mm. I, I prefer more when I read it the first time that it was like less detailed, that thing wasn't included. And it was just the story, right? Without all the meanings like that he could put because he was believing in God. Um, I yeah. guess, I, I mean, it's kind, of, it's kind of bizarre because as you're saying with his belief in Christianity and stuff like that, and there's nothing wrong with belief. No, not at all. But what I do find bizarre is that you have the cannibals, for instance, And yeah. you have other people's beliefs and he's not, and he's like, and I guess it's that egotistical view that his belief is fine. And the thing is, I mean, let's face it. I mean, let's look at Christianity. I mean, Christianity is about basically a God who gives birth to himself, has a son that actually spawns from a, that spawns way back years and years before by a woman who is succumbed by a talking serpent to eat an apple. You know what I mean? To eat the yeah. forbidden fruit. And so, I mean, if you look at ours, I mean, it's like, you know, when you when you lay it out and you look at it in realistic terms. Well, that's it's, mythology, it's, it's, too. You know, yeah, just same like thing with Roman mythology. Same, well, same thing with any religion, whether it's Jewish, well, Jewish and Muslim, and we all have the same Old Testament. The, the but, but, Gilgamesh. But then he looks at the cannibals, like, you know, like, you're scum, but, like, their belief is now different in its mystical origin than yours, sort yeah. of thing. And that's why, and that's why I kind of find a bit interesting of that Someone who's deep in, you know, deep belief in God. And I guess like, like, I mean, and I guess another thing that a bit unsettling is, is that even today, you know, I mean, if you look at the Muslim Jews and the Christians, they all believe in the fundamental same God, but they're still right. fighting over that, you know, whoever. That's never going to change. 
you know, and that's why I always think that's the reason why Israel should be turned into a theme park and they should have the Muslim ride, the Jewish ride and the Christian ride. And everyone would be happy. You just pay your pr- price and you just go to what park you want to go to and away yeah. you go. Yeah, exactly. Because um, and that's the problem because it's all in this. Uh, all the stories take place in the same place, unfortunately. But yeah, so, so you, you know, and I do think if this if this book was written in the third person, whereas like Robinson Crusoe, he sailed on the sea and he did this and he did that. I probably would have been a bit more open to it, I think. Personally. But you know what I realized reading this book a second time? I doubt there'll be a third, guys. I'll be honest with you. But I realized it wasn't just about the island. That was a part of the book, but there was so much more. There was much more going on than just the island. Mm. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. I also don't like the fact that he gets everything he wants at the end. No matter what. I know. He he doesn't have to pay any price for his egotistical, vain ways. Is I mean, to be honest, this is a book about, I mean, I, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to put this book in today, this is a book about a man with white privilege. (laughs) Basically, he is the epitome of white white privilege. privilege. This guy is a white privileged dude, hands down. He would be hated and spurned and canceled, <laughs> which you're probably right. They'll probably get this book eventually. You know how that goes. I was really lucky that I'm changing the whole story that he he was able to go back to that um, ship and take things like guns and, and things to leave, right? Otherwise, if he wouldn't have, have anything, totally, it would be totally, totally well, probably wouldn't. He would have died, but <laughs> well, he did I'm, take the I money mean, yeah, too. Yeah. He was sitting there debating yeah. whether to take the money, the coin that was there, while he was getting all that other stuff in his five trips back and forth to the the ship that was cratered there on on the the um, the coast. But he he thought about it, and then he went and got the money, kept the money anyway. Oh, I guess it came well, But it's even like the simple fact that whenever like there was bad weather, it's because of God. So God was all everything good that was happening and everything bad that was happening. Well, and anytime and I, I like I mean there's one thing I did like. Whenever he found himself in trouble, whether the first shipwreck where this the first ship, you know, sank. Um, before before he ended up becoming you know the, before the second one and he's sitting there praying to God to save him and I I mean I could I could actually do that because whenever you get in trouble that's the first thing oh dear God please don't <laughs> we all do that oh, yeah dear God <laughs> yeah please get me out of this God please get me yeah, out of this. yeah please get me out of this sort of thing so I could understand that sort of thing but I guess it's the simple fact that I mean there's I mean, there's I mean there's well, the some... running theme through the whole book is a necessity of repentance. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's really what a lot of it is because he's always trying to um, have some kind of moral turpitude about what he's about to do, and you know, he doesn't really seem very guilty about selling people as commodities. Yeah, and I mean, in in Friday, you know, like he's probably the only one he had. Oh, actually. He was so lonely. I was starting to get really worried about Friday and the goats. <laughs> because... Well, I mean, um, I wouldn't surprise. Maybe, maybe there's, you know, maybe there's something more that they sit there and edited out before it went to publication. <laughs> you never know. I mean, not, he not... is a Puritan, and we and we know that we do. We have learned through trial and error when it comes to people who are overly religious that sometimes they have a little you know picadillos when it comes to sex don't they yeah so, so you know, that comes always comes out later so who knows well he was really into his goats let's put it that yeah he's into his goats and, <laughs> well and, his, I'm, I'm not, and my I'm, man friday 
<laughs> I'm not 100% sure, but do you remember when we read uh, Treasure Island that um, mm-hmm. Vicky, you said that why there were not, like, no no girls? And right. reading this, I discovered that they referred to the ship as a, a lady, uh, as her, and kind no of kidding. like... Yeah. Married to the to the ship, and they need to look after it and all that. Like it was like a, a person, let's say. So I, I thought, well, I think that's why. Um, I hate the- to say it, but a man is a man, you know, and a man's gonna get lonely. You know. Well, I mean, if you look at the name syphilis, it means sheep disease. Syphilis is yeah. Latin for sheep. It means sheep disease, which basically means that the first case of syphilis was basically sheep. Did they being- track it down to that? I've not read. I'm not that interested. Yeah, in yeah. Apparently, I mean that that is one one of the theories behind syphilis, because you know they love their sheep badly. But, uh, <laughs> badly. I love you, <laughs> love you. <laughs> but um, so yeah, I mean, you know, I guess the man has his needs. I mean. But, you, knew we um, gonna, I mean, Leander, I you knew we were going there. I didn't know. I think But I have to sit there and say that, I mean, it's quite interesting that this was published in 1719. And around the same time, for about 100 years prior to this, I mean, we were having Puritans going and taking over Americans and um, taking and doing what they were doing to the Native Americans. I mean, yes. they were... They were pe- they were defriending them to begin with. So, I mean, they were friends. They weren't killing them to begin with. Okay. That came later when they actually decided that they wanted more land that, that the Indians were. That, that reminds me. Years ago, I was on an archaeological dig and we were, you know, we, we got to this part in the dirt where it was all black. And it was clearly a place where they, they burnt a lot of stuff. And in this, we found what was left of huge brown wooden ro- uh, rosary. So they weren't just cooking animals in this pit. That we for the Mohawks were definitely cooking Jesuits. <laughs> so just just for that, I, I mean, after a while, well, they did. Um, well, I mean, even in Mexico when it was the um, was the Cortex Indians, because uh, I mean, to be honest, I mean, when Spain went there, I mean, they were, I mean, Christopher Columbus, I mean, they were just massacring everyone because yeah. they thought they well, they thought it was because the gold and El Dorado and all that sort of stuff, but when the Cortez. You know, for the losing Spaniards, I mean, the Cortes would basically take this great big rock and lay them over it and sacrifice them to their yeah. gods in their temples and stuff like this. And it wasn't the most humane thing in the world. No, do, but, they used to rip their hearts you out. Yeah, but it is an eye for an eye it's a thing. And, you know, Throw I mean, it's kind of... down. I mean, though it's, you know, though it's a, a dark time, I guess, in history, but to be well, honest... it's supposed to be part of the Age of Enlightenment, wasn't it? Well, I guess so. I mean, the thing is, is, you know, anything's the age of enlightenment when you're expanding and going out. Well, this is the beginning are, and, of the British Empire. Yeah, and Spanish and Italian and Portuguese. Yeah. I mean, it was all Europe expanding outwards across right. to this brand new world. And I mean, of course, you know, they were also, you know, coming out with, you know, foods and new spices and new fabrics and new plants and so on and so forth exotic and new, things that people and new diseases is probably as well oh, but, yeah, um, so but you know the thing is if none of this stuff happened none of us would be here today unfortunately you know no. i mean unfortunately i mean you can sit there and look at the past all you want to and say oh what a horrible time blah da 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 
But if this stuff never happened, you wouldn't be where you are today. Without, so if anybody go. should be responsible for reparations, it's the UK. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, to be honest, I think that I think everyone's had its parts. If you go back in history, exactly. far enough, every, everyone's had their part in it. I mean, no the, kidding, na- yeah. the Native Americans did. I mean, what, don't they say the Native Americans came from the Seminole and they walked across and they, brought, they walked across the strait and then they yep. took over that way. And yeah, well, there was nobody here technically when they went over the straits, but the Bering Strait. But but also some of the Indian tribes like in the southeast actually had African slaves. I mean, so everybody was a little gitty doing this this human commodity thing, but what it, which is hard to read though. I mean, because everybody thinks that if, if you got, I hate to use the word woke, we're not all woke. There's history. This happened, you know, and oh, it, yeah. this is. I guess it just irritated me that he just seemed so nonchalant about it, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was always about the bottom line, which is the way the monopolies operate today. It's all about the bottom line. They don't care what they do or where they go. You know, they're going to find that bottom line where they can make the most money. And it's all about self, you know, with him. I mean, important. Well, it's an importance of self-awareness, but it's an important of self-aware for him because he's all about himself throughout this whole book. The whole time. I kind of wish that he would lose a limb or something and maybe just something be a little humble. And I mean, I, I did find it weird also by the end of it. It's just like here he is cast away for, what, 23 years. And then his, he come, you know, gets saved or whatever like that after doing all the shit that he's done, sort of thing, you know, the positive and the, a lot of the negative. And then his plantation is in Brazil. Taking is booming. Off, and it's the town. He's making all this money, has yeah. all this money waiting for him. And then and he that, the widow still has all of his money and, and everything is just still golden for him. You know, yeah. and, and that's why I said there's so much more to it. And he made his own little slice of, of England in that one little area. He even had a bower for like a summer home or whatever that he made so he could go there. And he had his little kingdom with uh Friday and his father and, you know, you know, what Spaniard, he, but you know, what's sad about that is that you think, okay, this is back in like, you know, the 1700s, but English people do that. Now they, they go, they retired to Spain taking over a whole town and everyone in this town speaks English. They don't, they don't allow people to speak Spanish there. I mean, this is only in Spain. This is only across the bloody channel from here. English people do that all the time. They refuse to learn any languages whenever they move anywhere. And, and I know, and I'm generalizing here. So any of our English followers who actually learned a different language, I'm sorry. Well, you know, when when we were traveling a couple (laughs) of years back, the one language that I'm really upset with myself that I didn't learn because it was so well, and it was French. Everybody speaks French, you know, and you don't realize that till you get out in the world. Yeah. Well, we take, I mean, we know French Canadian, don't we? That's what they taught us. Yeah. French Canadian for listeners out there is basically French with our accents. Yeah. Y'all, we, yeah, I mean, it's French, it's French with a redneck accent. Yeah, I'm sure that's why Quebec doesn't like us that much. You know, we go up there visit with our New York passports. Uh, now, I think that, um, I mean, this this novel does have a lot of symbolism in it as well. And one bit. of the symbolism is the footprint that, which is, he's praying that he doesn't want to be alone through a great portion of the book when he is alone and he's praying for someone and then he sees a footprint and all of a sudden he's scared. 
Yeah. And I thought that was like a bit odd. It's like, you know, you're praying. Well, he's gotten so used to being alone. He's probably become a tad agoraphobic, maybe. He doesn't know what's out there. He's praying to his God over and over and over. Please send me someone. Please bring someone to me. And then you see the footprints like, no, well, my God, you gave me what I asked for. No, 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 no. (laughs) Sort of thing. And I thought that was like, so it's kind of funny in a way, isn't it? It's like, oh, it's a like, little bit. You know, yeah. like, be careful what be careful what you wish for. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, he did have that in the beginning. He also had your typical, you know, parent uh, child problem with his father because his father didn't really want him to leave. Didn't he want him to be a lawyer? He didn't want him to travel or to do anything or strike out on his own. Yeah, I mean, his father was against him. I mean, to be honest, um, I guess this is another thing about Robinson Crusoe as well, because he decides to become a sail, a sailor or a seaman. <laughs> seaman. But, um, <laughs> but um, you know, the, the thing is, is that, um, you know, seamen or sailors, even today, have, you know, they have to go through like a training And don't you have to be an apprentice to be a a sailor or a seaman? Well, it depends if you're going to go be private or merchant marine or, you know, going in the service. I imagine it depends. I mean, I I think you're like born in, I think in this time, I think you're kind of born into it, aren't you? Unless they're, unless, you know, I I mean, there was two type of people that were going to sea at this time sort of thing. There was the seamen sort of thing who were um, apprenticing to... You could always say seafaring people instead of seafaring people. Seafaring people. (laughs) You know, and you're, you know, you're on, you know, you're a seaman and you're on a ship with Master Bates and (laughs) Captain (laughs) Pugwash and Seaman Stains. But you're. (laughs) Don't leave, Leandro. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but. Uh, you know, the thing is, so th- so there's those people, and then there's the ones that they were carting people over, and they were they tend to be the Puritans that England was kicking out of the country because they didn't right. want to put up with the crap anymore, and they were, of course, you know, the pilgrims. And well, know, didn't the monarchy just people. happen to get reestablished in England in this time frame? I yeah, believe. yeah, the King. Um, this is just this is just before King George um, takeover, because I mean that because he would come what. S- 50 years later, because that would start. Well, he would come during the Revolutionary War. War. Remember the madness of King George? Yeah. Yeah. And the Tea Party and all that other stuff. So he would come, you know, I think what's 50 years later sort of thing. So there's not really uh, many. I mean, you got the Portuguese captain, too. We can't forget about him. He he played mm -hmm. a little bit of a part in all this. Well, I mean, that's Brazil, isn't it? I mean, the port, that's why um, Brazil, their their language in Brazil is Portuguese. Well, he took it? care of his uh, Brazilian investments. And then I guess after his 28-year absence, I guess he uh, he just, he's booming. I mean, he's not there. So we're, what, they're just assuming this guy's alive and he's just raking in the dough? I mean, how does that work? I'm yeah, they're a little bit sketchy on that. So you know about where you know what he does. He has all this money, and then he decides to go on a hunting expedition and kill exotic animals. Yeah, um, and then another offensive that. thing: killing another offensive animals. thing. Yeah, Horse killing animals for giggles. sport. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the epitome of like really bad rich white privilege, isn't it? <laughs> 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 I know. I bet you we're probably the reason why this book gets canceled in the next two weeks. Oh, yeah, God. probably. probably so like, it's offensive. They'll do it too. I'm telling you. 
Buy all I mean, the classics, I, people. They're coming for them. Yeah, I have to then say. I mean, I didn't. I found it interesting. I didn't find it offensive. But when you start putting in like in our sensibilities that we have today, and you start right. looking back on it, I think it's very, very important that these things are still around because we history shouldn't really does repeat itself. Well, the thing is, if you rewrite history and you cancel history, what will happen you is learn two, from it. Well, two generations from now. They'll repeat the same mistake. Yes, that's going to be sad. It's going to be a swift kick in the ass for whatever countries are involved because t- you got to you you got to keep these things around. You have to realize there was a Holocaust or or there was slavery in the slave mm, trade, but they never talk about the Barbary slaves, <laughs> and that was all about a bunch of white slaves. They were selling to Africa. They never talk about the Barbary. Well, another thing that they don't talk about the slave trade is that they didn't go to any country and they weren't going there roping them up like like extras from a Planet of the Apes. It wasn't right. like that. Um, their own families and their own town, their own villages were selling that, selling their own yeah. people. And the same thing with you know whether you know Jew, Jews or whites or Chinese, Japanese. I mean, every, through every person's. If you go back in every person's, you know, generic back, everyone's a product of slavery at some point. Of some form, yeah, just some like form. the Roman Empire. How far do you go back when you be PO'd, you know? Well, I mean, the thing is, is like, if you look at Northern New York, because my father's Native American, Chicago is from right. the Seneca tribe of the Iroquois. And the reason why they have blue eyes is because Lake Erickson, 200 years before Christopher, I mean, it was right. the a hundred years before um, Christopher Columbus came. even went sailing, the Vikings came and they raped all the women. All the well, that's what Vikings and, were doing back then, you know. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, they they raped and pillaged, and um, they realized it's too bloody cold up here. They're not going to live there. Realizing it was actually colder than Scandinavia, where they're coming from. Right. But what they did was they left. You know, they left um, after you know a, you know a winter. You know, by that time, you know the. The Native Americans up that way have blue eyes. Well, they you know, think so they did that, come as far, far in the interior through the the lake, the the river to Missouri. Even there's been evidence, which yeah. I always find fascinating because there's just some things out of where did this come from? Why is this here? Kind of stuff. So you know, you just never know. The Phoenicians struck out. They think do precisely. I mean, so I mean, we're all we're all part of a huge melting pot anyway. We and, are, and we are. you know, I, I mean, I think I, it's really. Sorry, really important, like, for example, at that time, um, when it was slavery, you know, for for example, for white people, the black people were not considered, like, kind of, like, humans like them. They were, like, yeah. a commodity, as you said before. They, and, they like, and, and, like, that happened, like, with other um, tribes. There is a really interesting movie called, um, uh, from Mel Gibson, uh, which one? I think it's Apocalypto, something oh, like that. Apocalypto, yeah. Yeah, and it's really it's really cool because it explained that to- happening in a different totally society. Was I think it was like the Mayans and the Aztecs. Yeah, and you that was see, a really you know, good rendition. He kind of really stuck to it too. I yeah. was really pleased. Right down to the violence. I mean, just acute violence. <laughs> but the the idea is really interesting. Like if you, if you start to go back in history until, for example. They start to say, "Okay, we all of us are are like humans, right?" But if, if that thing, <laughs> yeah. But if if you, for example, if you if you take that idea, like and like, and you don't establish, so I I don't see that I'm the same as you are. 
So then for me, maybe you are, I don't know, an object, right? right. So that changed completely, yes, you know. That's how he acted, though, don't you think? He was like that. Yeah, yeah, well, um, I will tell you something later when we when we go to the movie that was really interesting. Well, I would keep that. Well, it's really interesting because they used to always, they had these ball courts when you go down that far and you see them, you know, or like, uh, what was it, Monte Alban, I think. Mm-hmm. And there was this other place we went to and they had the ball courts and they still had the the, um, the circle, you know. And I guess they weren't just throwing balls through there. They were using their enemies' heads and using them for soccer balls to some extent. Yeah. So this was a really, I mean, if I was the Spaniards, I would have been scared shitless of the Aztecs and the tall tags mm-hmm. and, you know... Well, I mean, but you're going to you're going to defend your home, aren't you? People yeah, come, but you I mean, know what's it, really it's really what I, I didn't realize till I got there. And I've read all these books. These people were like four feet tall. OK, Quetzalcoatl and all of them. Four feet. These people were not big people. And you get these big strapping conquistadors and you're thinking big strapping Indian god like, you know, plumage and everything else. These were small people. I mean, their bat little bathtubs we found out in the in the mountains were like mm-hmm. this. I mean, little and about like I mean they it was wild. It's like, God, these were small people with big steps everywhere. You know, just talk about knee injury. But I mean, the thing is, I mean, you also, I guess, you have to also believe is that because we always tend to look at things from one one side, don't we? True. And the thing is, is though though Europe was landing on foreign shores, and they saw these strange people, but these strange these strange people were looking at Europeans like they were strange as well. Yeah, you know? exactly. You know? And you know, I mean, the thing is, you can tell where the Europeans settled anyway by what language these countries are speaking today. Right. Dutch, Brazil, you know. German. Well, Brazil is Portuguese. South yeah. Africa is Dutch, isn't yeah. it? I mean, they just speak Dutch. Um, Argentina, Spanish, Mexico, Spanish. And we all you know. know how it worked <laughs> out for South Africa. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that's a capital official together. But I mean, you know, but the thing is, it's still, I mean, but the thing is, but when any, but human, the human race still does the same thing today. Anything that's different from them, they don't want to know. Yeah. And just take, I mean, just take political beliefs, whether you're left or right or whatever you are. The left is like, you know, oh my God, they don't want to know these people. These need, you know, they, they, don't, they believe differently than us, so we need to obliviate them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's what's, you know, that's what we're kind of, we're facing some kind of, some kind of, sociological holocaust well we have cancel culture kind of i'm not afraid yes. to say it live it in charge right now so but um but you know but but it is the same thing if I mean, you might not be out um, it is the same know. thing though these people wanted to yeah, go that's, what I'm, that's what i'm saying it's the same thing you might not be going out with guns and murdering these well, people for their land, and stuff but, 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 but sociologically you are yeah, that's what missionaries did. Oh, this is not, this is a heathen religion. So we're going to give you a real religion, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, it happens. It is. That's kind of cancel culture. We don't like this. Yeah. So we're going to tell you how to do it right. And it happens uh, all the time. I mean, you look at the, you know, the, the Kurds. That was, yes. only, that was not that long ago. That was about 10, 15 years ago. Not even. Have still seen, going on. Have you seen a movie called The Mission? I yeah. might have. I bet you I yeah, Robert, Robert De Niro. No. No. Robert, yeah, yeah, Robert De Niro and, and Jimmy Irons from the eighties. Yeah, amazing movie. It's mm-hmm. Amazing and talks about all these. I don't want to say anything because if someone is when someone listens to the podcast, I don't want to be a spoiler. But it's, um, I watched that movie. So wow, that's like yeah. really good movie. Yeah. Talk talk about all these things. Like, like history, and- it just repeats itself over and over. 
different. Yeah, you know. I, I, I still doing it today, and I know that we talked about how enlightened we all are and how enlightened like the world is. Say, but but we're but we're not. We're 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 still resorting back to this. We might we might not be using a gun, but we're using our tongues and we're using our pens. Yes. Um, and our, well, our computers really for the vengeance and, and um you know it's all about people who are not like you and not being able to accept them doesn't yeah. matter what whether it's racially sexually or um, otherwise politically mm-hmm. so and i guess that's what you can say about robinson Crusoe. although we are looking at this but maybe it is kind of a mirror to ourselves to a certain extent well maybe, maybe that's why it was so irritating <laughs> you know it might be actually <laughs> You know, thinking about it, I mean, I didn't really like that. I mean, it, it kind of set me on edge and it wasn't, and I'm not a huge It agitated person. me. The book agitated me. And usually I know, I understand that you got to go back. You got to put your brain into this society when this book was written because this was all during colonization. But I mean, it was, maybe it was because it was the first person you're talking about. And it was me, 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 me. What do I need for me? What, how, how am I going to change these people? How am I going to make money? How am I going to convert this guy? You know, I mean. Yeah. And the thing yeah. is, because he's saying I all the time, that you find yourself in his shoes all of a sudden. He's yeah. no longer a third person. He's like, you are Robinson Crusoe. Well, he uh, from the first beginning, he was like kind of like find his way, I think, in life. Right. Then he ended mm-hmm. in Ireland. So, well, it's all about himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he would have started talking plural, he would say, well, he's crazy. Well, but he's just, proud of himself that he's made his own little United Kingdom, sort of, you know. And then yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. I think well, that the, the, able- to, to go in back is like kind of like conquer, conquer that life that he had, like that. Yeah. That, but um, what to say? Like take the opportunity and then make it like a profit in the end, like the bad experience. But didn't you also find it a bit weird that after, you know, he finds out that, okay, he's rich from his plantation that he left 23 years yeah. old. Now, now that's become like this, you know, utopia for English people to hang out. And then he goes on his killing his exotic animals and going on a hunting expedition with um, Friday. And then mm-hmm. he goes back home and it's like, your parents are dead. And he's like, it wasn't even fussed. I mean, his sisters have moved on <laughs> and stuff like this. He, I mean, he was a bit surprised that their life moved on, which I can kind of understand that because when you move away from home and I guess all three of us have that in common where we yeah. don't live at home, that you think that time does stand still. It's only when you go home and you realize that their lives are moving at the same rate. Everybody's that yours is. Nobody's sitting still. Yeah. Precisely. Well, in our case, there's a lot of things that have not progressed, but, <laughs> but yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> actually they kind of digress. I think is the word we're looking for, but, but, but the thing is there doesn't seem to, but he doesn't, he lacks feeling. He lacks emotion as well. I found in this book because didn't you're, 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 find you, himself, you didn't he remind himself not to have feelings several times? Yeah, but you know, there's feelings and there's feelings. I can understand like cutting off your feelings when you're a castaway, but I think that once you're going in back into society, and then you're going back home to see your family who you haven't seen for I well, guess, a lot of them died 24, 25 years by this point because. After he's become, he's on the island for twenty three years, so I assume he spent probably a year or two years basking in his plantation village yeah. that he now owns. Mm-hmm. Bef- and then and then you got his hunting expedition. So I, let's give him two years before he actually makes it back to um, right. to, to the motherland. And you know, find out that he hasn't seen his sisters for twenty five years. His parents are dead, and he's like, right. okay. And so you think like, well, you think you'd have emotions once you saw your family, wouldn't you? Yeah. 
You haven't That'd be seen the your family for 25 years and you have like no feelings for them whatsoever. <laughs> it's sort of like, what was it? Tom Hanks and Castaway, you know, he goes home and everybody's moved on. How long was he on? Like five years, I think four or five. Yeah, years? I think it was five or seven. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because he goes home and just life his his wife, everything, his whole life has just been usurped and changed. And it's like, this guy's like crushed, you know, because he's been gone so long. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this guy, on the other hand, though, is no Tom Hanks. He's just like, how much money did I make? Oh, the widow's got more money for me than I left with her. <laughs> this guy doesn't miss a beat. He just keeps on going. I mean, is it, maybe I'm wrong here, but didn't he also, like, when he goes back home and sees his sisters, didn't he also ask about how much money was left from his father's estate or something? I believe so. You know, it's like, you know, he, he he had enough of his own money. Then he wanted to like, take money from his sisters as well. So this guy's like of, Jeff Bezos or something. He's been a scummy guy, really. It's like a kind of like he, he turned into more like a practical man, like with less emotion rather than, for example, if you compare with, with Tom Hanks' uh, movie, he was really attached to this life that we have, right? Or the volleyball. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I'm trying to <laughs> Wilson. I'm trying to, Wilson, yeah, but he's trying to trying to give just a little step from like said from Tom Hams was like like a big effort, right? Mm-hmm. Like for example, no, trying to get make uh, like the fire it took like ages, right? Right. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, he, I mean, he did have a job at FedEx, so um, he probably wasn't yeah. a bit. <laughs> And he delivered all of his packages or that one package. Remember at the end? Yes. Yeah. I, I love that movie. Really like it, it is a good movie. I mean, it, but you mean, but you, I mean, that's another thing. It's like, you know, I guess Castaway, I guess Castaway is probably a better version of the story, really. I mean, a probably more, a more humane one anyway. Well, the thing is, he's out there, what, as you said, what, you know, five to seven five years. Five to seven years, I think. Yeah. And the thing is, is like Robinson Crusoe is three times that amount. And he's like, there's no humanity in him whatsoever. There wasn't mm-hmm. really when he left, I don't think either. Well, I think I think he was. I mean, I think. I mean, I guess this is where I probably have a problem with the the, the novel a little bit because the thing is, obviously, he comes from money. He's part right. of that social class. He's wealthy. Well, his father wanted yeah. him to go to school and be a lawyer. Precisely. So, and the thing is, you know, poor people weren't able to do that back no. in those days. If poor people poor, still can't do it. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Um, it doesn't matter how how brainy you are. But um, so basically, you know, so he has that class, this, this class, you know, he gets, on, you know, he buys his way onto a ship sort of thing, sinks, whatever, you know, then, then gets cast away. And I guess the thing is that you think that because life is so hard for him and it was, you know, 23 years of solitary and fighting for your life and fighting for to be to remain alive and, you know, everything like this, that you think at some point he would have found his humanity and he doesn't find his humanity at all. I know. He, he starts off as a dick and he ends up being by the end of it he's a bigger dick well he, he does find he does have some kind of kindness towards friday i mean yeah yeah but that might be because it might be because he doesn't end up having a wife at the end of the day so that friday might be that's what i'm saying business. you don't know what's going on with him and friday there was nobody chaperoning him and you know and you still don't know exactly what they're actually you know what you know back then i don't even know if homosexuality was accepted or not so who knows probably not but let's face it it's who knows really, i mean they, 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 they didn't they did not they did not allow a lot of this until like the 1800s sexuality didn't become a thing until the 1800s well it was in the so whoever went by the bible you know it's an abomination yeah. and also their crap so 
you know, but they were doing it, you know, yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it, the, your hypocrisy can only go so far with the Bible, you know, you know, I was, I was yeah. watching a TV program the other day. And like, you know, that, uh, nuns has a ring because technically they got married with, uh, God. Right. Yeah, and then was, I always found really weird as, as being raised Roman Catholic. I, 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 people could never answer my questions when I was a little girl. I was raised in Catholic school. And which and I always question had did you questions. Have? It's like, how did Adam and Eve procreate? How did the, where, where, where all these other people go to populate the world? Uh, but, 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 questions. Why is God marrying nuns? You know? Okay. Uh, I, I would answer God's that. a bigamist. <laughs> no, no. I, I will have, a, I have an answer for that. But, what I'm saying is, I so then I thought, okay, does the same happen for priests? Are they married with God? Because if if we no. think that God, no, they're gay. No, well, I don't them. know. But I would think if, they, if, if, if the nuns are married with God, so God is a man. So if then I thought, well, okay, I'm, I'm going too far from Robinson Crusoe. Sorry, but <laughs> then I thought, if if the priests are are married too, well, they're married with a God that. First, we decided that he's a man, so right, they're gay. I don't know, <laughs> but you know, I'm you gotta answering... remember, you gotta remember though that that Christianity and, and most of its, you know, when it coming to be, borrowed a lot from pagan and heathen religions, where yeah. the where they get the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It used to be Mother, Maiden, Crown, you know, from the mm-hmm. old from the old yeah. religions. So, you know, there was always this rivalry going on back and forth with this. So it's not. Well, so if, you look at, if you look at the Egyptian, I mean, the story of Sati is the same story as Moses. Yeah. Well, and then now answering your question about uh, Adam and Eve and all that. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. they discover when they, when they, dis- <clears throat> sorry, when they discover the rose, rose stone, you know, yeah. and they were able to understand the hieroglyphics. Then in time, they discovered that all the stories that are in the Bible, right, that we we know, right, right like the prodigal son and all those, probably Adam and Eve too, they were bedtime stories that the Egyptians used to tell to their kids to, when, they were, when, when they were going to sleep. And the slaves, they were the Jewish at the time, they started to hear and under, they were able to understand in time, Egyptian. So someone, we don't know who, started to write them all and pass it from generation to generation until someone sat down and wrote all of them as a... Until kind you started of, with Genesis, in the beginning. Well, yeah, and if, if you think well, all the stories are teaching you something, I don't know, like how to be kind of like a good person and respect someone... Well, all or these religions like are the same thing. They have a Messiah yeah. story. They have a virgin. They have well, a... Story. You know what else is interesting now? Is that the Bible doesn't ever say that there's only one God? No, he says thou shalt not put any God before thee. Yeah, that means there could be other gods, but don't put them before this one. But Mm -hmm. there might be other gods out there. That's when the Israelites got in trouble with their golden calf and all that other stuff. Yeah, but you know, I mean, but didn't Roman and Jews and the Egyptians anyway have multiple gods? Yeah. Pantheon. So there could be, so there might be multiple gods that people are forgetting. Well, about. if you read Genesis, it kind of makes you wonder Genesis and then the New Testament because the Old Testament God is just really crazy, cruel, and everything. And then oh, you yeah. get this all love and stuff. It seems like there were two gods. You had God, and then you had a lesser God in the Old Testament that was cruel. Yeah, cruel. Well, I mean, I mean, he turned people to salt. He, you know, brought 
had his angels come down and yeah. fire and brimstone. And then, and then you have the book Leviticus, which is the most nastiest book in the whole Bible, which is not very nice. No, it is not. You know, but then again, if incest is so bad, how did Noah and his family repopulate the world? That's what I was saying. Well, Noah, <laughs> Noah always was trying to get it on with somebody when he was drunk. Noah was yeah. a bad boy anyway. Yeah, two but by two. Speaking of the Bible, <laughs> though, he kept drawing. He kept drawing parallels between him and Job in this book too. Yeah, I mean another thing that's quite interesting though that I guess you know I guess when we were saying that when he goes back to Europe and he sees all the people. Yeah, I mean Robinson Crusoe actually goes back to his island because he actually prefers the solitude. Right. But you know, I think for me, I guess you know, I guess they sit there and say that you know he dreams of returning to the island as he was king alone, which basically means if you're solitude, that means that if you're living on your own, there's no one there to challenge you. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I think at the end of the day, because he was so full, because he's so egotistical, I don't think he liked to be challenged about anything. He's like, this is the way I think, this is the way I'm going to live my life. And this is the way I'm going to be. And no one's going to change this way whatsoever. And the only reason why Friday, I think stayed alive is because Friday didn't challenge him. But to be honest, I mean, how did Friday become, how did he become from the Friday? He saved Friday's life by using a gun, scaring the hell out of him and scared them to death. Yeah. That basically he had Friday for basically is like, if I go against this guy, this guy's going to kill me. Guy to kill me. Yeah. With his fire. So, so was yeah. Friday a good friend or was Friday just like along for the ride? Because he knew Friday was well, basically he like the Cruz's innocent slave. savage kind of sort of. He just, I think he, I think he was, um, Robinson Crusoe's slave. Well, he was, you know, he the thing was is, some kind of slave. I mean, he, what did he call him? His manservant a couple of times. His manservant. He didn't have any freedom. He couldn't go off on his own. No, he he took you know, the others when he when they came. Yeah, he wasn't a free man. He wasn't like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go now. Um, is there anything you need? Um, here you can have my home and stuff like this. You know, have fun and here, you know, get married, have fun. No, it's not that at all. You're coming with me. Yeah, and then we're, we're gonna go hunting together so you can carry my guns with you. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, because you don't hear about Friday killing anything. Robinson's killing stuff and Friday's there for the ride. So he's probably like, you know, the, the golf caddy sort of thing. <laughs> the golf caddy. <laughs> but, you know, but it's, but it's That's true. what I was I mean, thinking, caddy shack. <laughs> yeah. but, it, but it's kind of true. But Friday, Friday, never, Friday doesn't get his freedom, does he? Even, no. I don't know what happens in the sequels, but by the end of this book, Friday is basically, you know, a prisoner of Robinson Crusoe. Indentured servant of some sort, you know? Yeah. You know, even when he, because you think, okay, let's sit there and say that you two are together sort of thing. And the thing is, you get rescued. And here Friday is on this island. And the thing is, yeah, he, he never asked Friday, do you want to come with me? Right. It's assumed that he goes with him. And then when he gets to this new land, he goes, you know, you know, this is, this is the guy who's helped you survive and whatever like this. You helped each other out. You would think that this person helped you so much. A normal person would be like, Look, I got all this money here. I go, why don't I set you up with a house and you can be happy? Yeah, exactly. But no, I'm going no, to take you hunting with me because I need someone to carry my, help me kill exotic animals and bring this. You can carry, carry my skins, shit. I think. You know, but you never see Friday with a gun in his hand. You never, yeah. he, he never teaches Friday how to shoot, does he? I don't believe he did. Teaches him how to like plant seeds and stuff to work the land. Well, no, how- because he, he could, he could uh, think about killing him. So it would be 
Precisely. This so, wasn't so written not, in so serial not, form, right? This wasn't a serial, was it? No, I think it was printed off in one go. Sort okay. Of yeah. Yeah. I have, I have the. I think I have the old version. Is all one go. Yeah. Which is really, really tough to read because then, you know, when you have like a chapter, at least you say, okay, well, I can take a break and then go back. But this one is like, you have to mark, then go back. This, this one, this one was hard. It was a hard read. I, it wasn't that I didn't like it. I mean, it was, it was, it was sort of reminded me of the hunchback because he went through all this geography and everything and just like, yeah, you know. but the hunch, but without the emotion though, hunchback had emotion. Oh, yes, it, it did. One, once you once you got through the geography of Notre Dame and all that sort of stuff, you which got basically basically yeah. it's like one one part of the book. But the, the f- thing is so full of other stuff in it that you're fine. Robinson Crusoe's kind of just it, basically. That's, I mean, I guess what I can say is that even though this is like the first book that c- c- apparently gave us the modern fiction and the travel mm-hmm. log and the the adventure story. Um, I have to sit there and say that I also think it's the first book that gave us long run on sentences that went on forever. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. guy didn't punctuate. He did like da 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 well, he he wrote uh, all kinds of certain things. I mean, he was like a a, a dissentful writer back in the day. He uh, wrote for newspapers. He wrote for the government. He was very pro government. Defoe was. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's a he's a political writer. Like a yeah, political he was journalist. A, yeah, he was very political. I mean, the interesting thing about him, he was a Puritan. So therefore, he has that. So that has the whole cure. You know, that's like a born again Christian today is what a Puritan is. I guess another thing is that there's political way of it, but he's also a man who was bankrupt before he started writing. Yeah. So that's so I guess that feeds into the story where like this guy's like basically makes all his money and does he's never gonna be hungry again, sort of thing. He's like Scarlet O'Hara at the end. Yeah. Um so basically he has all this money, so he's never gonna go bankrupt. Go home to Terra. It's <laughs> <laughs> got him my witness. The blood is wet. You know that that I'll never be hungry again. You know that Olivia de Havilland is the one that did the gagging thing in that movie. It wasn't her. It wasn't Vivian <laughs> Lee. It was Olivia de Havilland because Vivian Lee just couldn't get that that gagging thing going on. Oh. <laughs> I love that movie. Don't knock it. I love that movie, but I have to sit there and say once you get to that point, it's like, oh, this is fantastic. And then you go to Lady Intermission, it's like, oh shit, there's another two and a half more hours to go. Yeah. Like I just watched two and a half hours, now there's another two and a half hours ago. It's a great movie, but I mean, yeah, it's a long movie. You know what's really sad about that movie is Hattie McDaniel. She was she got the first um, African American uh, Oscar. Yeah. You know? And and they made her. She played um uh, la 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 la. She played Mammy. Yeah, Mammy. She played Mammy, and they made her sit in another room because she. No, was... they did not. That's a lie, actually. Is it? Yeah, that's something put out by Ryan Murphy in Hollywood. And did they no. really? That was a lie because I didn't that see her lie. though in the old films. I just saw her coming up on the stage. So yeah, I no, know. no, she had a table. The table was in the back. Don't get me wrong, but it right. was in the same room. They, they it was did in the back. Not put her in a separate room. No, she wasn't in a separate room, and she Who was made up was that in the story kitchen. because a lot of people believe it. They had me going. Um, I think it's because it's an, um, Ryan Murphy has a habit of rewriting history to fit his woke um, criteria that he puts through in his TV shows in Hollywood, the Netflix series, paints this picture with Queen Latifah playing that 
Oh, that's right. That's right. But, but that's okay. not. That's not. But if you look at the history books and stuff like that, that's not the truth. I only saw her come up on the stage. They didn't train the camera so much on the tables back then. But no, I'm sure the, she was the, the, the well, the cam the cameras were as big as a Toyota car back then. So it's like you know yeah, they didn't really have a lot true. of movability. But I mean, she she that there. was quite something though back then for her. So oh yeah, I mean she won. I mean the thing is, is like I mean. You know, as far as that story goes, okay, yeah, that that's not the true story. I mean, as far as where her career went from there, right. that's probably the more the more injustice of the whole situation because yeah. there wasn't a lot of black roles. I mean, I don't think I don't think black roles really came into fruition until Sydney Portier in the sixties. Yeah, and, and that was a Port- real that was a real ass rubber. That one was you either loved it or you hated. It. I loved it. So yeah, Sydney Port. I think he, he's the one that kind of changed the tide on all that and the thing is and if you look at the movies that Sydney Portier was doing guess who's come to dinner in the long the heat of the night um lilies of the valley yeah. um and so on and so forth I mean he wasn't doing the typical he was doing leading man roles and he was very very good at it but he was a great actor as well and I think that if you're gonna break I think if it, whatever boundaries that you have against yourself and you're gonna break those boundaries you're gonna have to be above and beyond good yeah. with whatever you're doing whether it's in films movies writing. well it became a sex symbol too that was probably really chomped at the bit for quite a few people he was very sexy i mean yes, i mean and, and but the thing is but he was an excellent actor and that's the thing that basically if you if you got boundaries in your way you're gonna have to be i'm sorry but you're gonna have to work really hard to be exceptional if you're gonna break through any boundaries exactly. and once you once you break through that boundary you're gonna open the gates for other people that's so right. you're gonna have to be bloody good and you got to be very very careful about what you do and what you choose to do whether it's running a business or whatever well, you know if something like happens that. you run a business and it goes bankrupt and you're part of whatever minority society you find yourself in unfortunately uh, you know, life is freaking hard. You're just going to have to make sure that, you know, what you do is you're going to exceed and you have to exceed extremely well. But in well. the 1500s, 1700s, whatever, whatever, that, you just, there was no chance in hell, you know, back then. And I, I guess well, maybe it, it is kind of, oh God, I, I just didn't like him as an individual, his character. Robinson Crusoe, well, no. I didn't <laughs> like him in the movie that much either, so. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Sandwich. No. I'm, I'm waiting for that. <laughs> yeah. Sandwich. This brings us to Robinson Crusoe, the film from 1954. Now, the Robinson Crusoe film is a 1970, sorry, a 1954 yeah. Mexican adventure <laughs> film by director Louis. Brunel, which is a French director, right. based on the 1719 novel Robinson Crusoe by Dan Defoe. Both English and Spanish versions were produced at the same time. So there's an English version of this, and there's also a Spanish version of this movie as well. Dan O'Hearley was nominated for a 1955 Academy Award for Best Actor. Interestingly enough, the, um, the actor who's playing Friday um, didn't know a lick of English, and he was, while his character is learning English on the screen, right. um, he was learning English. So, which is yeah. quite interesting. So what we're going to do is cut to the trailer of Robinson Crusoe, the 1954 Academy nominated film and be right back after that.
Welcome back to Literary License Podcast. We're discussing Robinson Crusoe, the 1954 film. So we'll start off with you, Vicky. What are your thoughts of this film? I hated y'all that you made me watch this. <laughs> it was, I mean, you know how I love my old movies. Um, I didn't think it was, it wasn't horrible or anything, but it just didn't really send me, I guess. Um, I guess maybe because I'd read the book first and I was already, you know, had my mind made up that I was going to hate this dude, even in the movie. And I mean, what was with Friday's wig? I mean, come on. They just don't wear their hair like that. He looked look more like a pygmy, I have to say. <laughs> or got a mama or something. Yeah. But, but I mean, it was just, it was, I, I, I mean, for the time, 50s, I guess we're still in, in a really bad kind of, you know, attitude towards uh, people of color at that time. But um, he had the same, he had the same puritanical, I need to be self-aware kind of attitude. Like when he gets drunk, you know, and he drinks that, whatever, he drinks the tobacco and, and rum. I didn't get that at all. Is that something I need to try? Um, I probably say no, but I, I was just know. wondering, did he get his hands on ayahuasca or something like that? And he was going to have a vision quest. Cause I try that. But I mean, as far as he, he was the same kind of person, I mean, he was, you know, about himself. He built his, you know, he got scared, I guess. Is that what forced him to build the fortress in the movie? Was yeah, when he to protect off? himself against. Yeah. So he knew they were coming to the island, like like in what was that movie, The Blue Lagoon? They knew they were coming to the island, you know, and they knew to stay over on the other side of the island. It it wasn't bad. I'm not going to torture myself with it ever again. But I mean, it it was like it was the same thing. Well, I kind of thought that maybe it would be more Gilligan Islandish. I thought that maybe there would be more of a friendship kind of thing going on between him and Friday, because you always hear that statement. Well, this guy or here's like my right hand man. This is my man Friday kind of thing, but it doesn't really go into that so much. I mean, the book was so in, in depth, I guess, in detail, but the back and forth, but the puritanical stuff, and, you know, trying to constantly keep himself self-aware and closer to God or whatnot, have you, that it kind of lost something in this book or the, the movie. It didn't translate well into the screen, I guess, the screenplay for me. Mm, what What are your thoughts, Leandro? Um, well, I didn't like much the movie. Uh, I have to watch it in two parts because it was, for me, a boredom. Um <laughs> Yeah. It's like, yeah, because the first part was going like really, really like slow. I couldn't sometimes understand what this man was saying. I don't know if he was like Scottish or I don't know, but <laughs> the English was like really like not yeah. clear to say. I can't, I can't believe how this man was nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but then there was a bit interesting things. For example, one, when, when he found uh, Friday and tried, he tried to introduce himself and then he said, Friday, Friday, friend, me, yeah. master. Yeah. So if you're if you're the friend, it's just like you, oh. yeah. if, if you're the friend of someone, you're not the you're not the master. You're a, yes. like kind of an equal. And then, for exactly. example, then which kind of drives home what I found with the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then some bizarre parts, like for example, there there are few, but just to name two, one when he is like. 
it is it's like it happened that a time there has passed like maybe I don't know they said you know he's he's making uh, a, a base with clay with a machine yeah. and I thought oh well, okay come on who are, the, who are you? you know like <laughs> pottery in Ireland with the colors and everything you know? <laughs> and then when he when when he was with Friday and then I think Friday shaved his beard off and and uh, have a haircut and then kind of like he was like as you said you know like kind of like a maid i don't know a servant he didn't, he didn't like he didn't trust friday at first he no, thought he was, no, he, no. He knew he was yeah. cannibal or whatever he was going to try to eat him or kill him i mean so there yeah. was mistrust and there was there was a part i don't know if you remember that uh he's sleeping and friday was next to him i don't know what happened i can't remember now but he kind of he put handcuffs and left him there and i think he left and then came back mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought, well, that's really like bad. Pretty shitty. Yeah. <laughs> like not to someone that you have first. You have said you were a friend and you saved his life in the first place. I right. thought, like, yeah, this is my friend. This is my friend that we're yeah. going to see. But the I put the <laughs> Well, you said, well, there you see that the colonialism and and that mentality. Yeah. You know, a certain. You are my friend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have to say. Um, I mean, Daniel Hillary, um, we actually, well, the, this actor, funnily enough that Vicky and I have a somewhat professional relationship with his wife. Oops. Who was one of our, who was one of our writers for our literary agency. <laughs> um, and without saying too much, but she's the one that basically was, um, getting really nasty with us because we couldn't find a publisher for a book. If you recognize her. Oh, Hillary, does the last name now mean something to you? (laughs) um, And to be honest with this actor, the only thing I, I didn't find this actor very watchable. I found him very hard to watch. Yeah. Yeah. It was really hard to watch. I mean, but I do like this actor because he plays the old guy in RoboCop. Oh, he does. Really? Yeah, you know the one like you're fired. Oh my god! <laughs> well, in, in the, in the, and he gets the, guy gets shot. So the first but, one or the second one? The first one. First one. Okay. First one, Robocop. So I mean, this wow. guy has done a considerable amount to work and stuff with this, and of course he was in Twin Peaks and the Last Starfighter and so. Oh, on, so it forth. is him. And Halloween Three, Season of the Witch. He's the one that owns the. Um, Halloween three is the one that owns the factory, isn't he? The evil man who owns the factory, making the, the masks. And so I, I have seen, I have seen that movie. Yeah. So I've seen him in other stuff, but I mean, I have said there and say this: I, was he compelling to watch? No. And the thing is, another thing that bothers me about this movie: this movie, I don't know what about were you about what your what your school was like, Leandro. But Vicky and I, when we went to school, they would show us films like these, but yeah. by scholastic films sort of thing, and they would show us like some, you know, it'd be like a reenactment of some book or some play yes. we have to watch. Mm-hmm. And it was always done by like these third tier kind of actors, and they would always have like this weird voiceover that would go on yeah. to explain what the action is. Yeah. And this this movie has that weird voice because you're kind of watching. It's like now it's like now he's talking to himself. It's like I am going to cut down this coconut, and I'm going to br- and I'm going to melt this coconut yeah. for the milk, yes. and I need to survive. Mm. And thank God I will survive. So you got this. So you got these monologues going through. And for me, that for me, 
And the thing is, Louis Brunel, the guy who directed, is a fantastic director. If you've seen any of his French films, like Belle Jour, and I mean, he's one of, known as one of the best French expressionistic act, um, directors of all time. And you're kind of watching this, and it's like the colors are lurid. He was in um, Twin Peaks too. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a well known actor, but I have to then say, it's like, yeah, there's just there's a huge disconnect because you're watching this, and I'm like, as soon as it starts up, and you got you know you got the book and the Robinson Crusoe, and you got like, oh, this is gonna be like one of those classic, you know, Little Women or whatever Hollywood makes one of these classic novels, um, sort of thing. You see, and then it starts off, and it's like, and then you get the kind of guy, and it's like, there's nothing about this guy that you like from the yeah. very beginning. As soon as he like steps foot on the screen and he opens his mouth, you're like, okay, well. I hope, and you think, oh, hopefully he'll die soon. And then he's like, oh no, this is Robinson Crusoe, so I'm gonna be stuck with this guy to the end of the movie. So then you kind of watch it, and yeah, he was just kind of the whole film was kind of blah. It wasn't, wasn't very it, exciting. Yeah. I guess maybe for maybe the audience back in the day, maybe we're just too spoiled to all the CGI and all the cool shit like RoboCop. But I mean, it just didn't hold your attention. You didn't get vested in him as a character. You know how we always say we we really want to care about the characters, and then you get interested in it. You know, like. But see, I thought because it has a French director, and Louis Brunel, I said before, is a famous French director. He's made some of the best French films, and I thought that would kind of, you know, I I thought that this film would kind of have that kind of like exciting, like European foreign feel about it. I know because they they do put a spin on things that make it more exciting to watch. They just do. It it felt like Dan Haggerty from Grizzly Adams TV movie. That's what this felt like. It felt like a TV movie. It did. It was worse than a TV movie, actually. I mean, at least a TV movie I could put on on Sunday, like, <laughs> like Hallmark or something like that. I know Keith likes Hallmark. That's why I'm bashing it. Yeah. But, um, you know, but like a 1980. It's not even a rainy day Sunday movie, guys. Okay. You know, with you know, with with Tattoo, her Velasco or whatever his name from Fancy Island playing, you know, Friday. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's like a total disconnect. And the thing is, is like, and even when the cannibals come on, you know, it's like you get the cannibal sequence and you're kind of going, oh, this should be good now. It was kind of like a G version of, I mean, it's like a Disney version of cannibals. It's like, okay, well, they're cannibals. Okay. There's like, <laughs> and, you know, I didn't like Treasure Island, which was a Disney film of the Robert Louis that we covered and, I, and that kind of it kind of bored me I, I enjoyed bits and pieces of it because there are pe- bits and pieces I liked in it this I found really hard to find anything I actually liked in it I, I didn't like the scenery I didn't like the filming I thought the colors were garish well I think it was garish is not the word but it was filmed I think on the co- west coast of uh, Mexico I believe mm-hmm. Which is actually oh, well, not, it was actually beautiful, you know. It's, yeah, it's beautiful, but there's no like exciting, you know, pullbacks of the camera or no great yeah. scenery shots or anything. Like I wanted that. to see, it, it, I wanted to see human remains from the cannibals. No one ever sent the, it's not like cannibal holocaust at all. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is like, this is like watching Green Inferno with all the, um, with all the gore taken out of it. <laughs> Basically, you know? basically, yes, that's a good analogy. <laughs> yeah. and no, I, I think that what you say is true. Like because he's like describing the action, like saying, "Oh, I was staying in the island for eight years, and now I have to go and chop wood because otherwise I was going to not be able to set that fire." It's like he is 
telling you all those things, like make like slow instead of like showing you him like going in the island trying to do things, right? Like, yeah. and, they, and it's like it's like shut up, just fucking do it, just show me, just do yeah, it. I don't like, need to hear about it. Yeah, yeah, it was like standing like a kind of like a philosopher, you know, like kind of like he was trying to you know find something really interesting, right? Well, he was like not doing like much, like. Well, it kind of also reminds me of what I do when I play computer games. When I want to annoy people when I'm playing computer games, I always talk about myself in the third person. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, like, oh, here. I'll do it. <laughs> it's like, oh, here's Keith. Keith's running down the street. Oh, Keith is killing him. I'm like, oh, Keith is going to go over here now. And I do that with my, sometimes it's to irritate people. And it kind of felt like that. So I was kind of getting, and I, you know, to be honest, I think that if you're going to do Robinson Crusoe, and the thing is, I haven't seen. I mean, this is probably the only movie version I've ever. What seen, if they so switched know. out the main character to Orson Welles because they did want Orson Welles? Would that have made a difference? I think it might have. Well, I do think I do kind of agree with uh, Louis Bernal that he was too fat because I think you need someone who's going to be quite. Well, yeah, the, I know. You're going to need someone who's going to look a bit starving. You don't want to look someone. But I mean, well he wasn't fed. that. He, Orson Welles wasn't that big back then. Well, I think I think he was I think he was chunky. He was, I think he wants someone quite thin, like a James. I think he wants someone with like a James Stewart kind of body. Right. Okay. I don't you. think I don't. I'm saying we need James Stewart in this role, but I think no, that may, would maybe drive um James maybe like Stewart. a after maybe I, like I, Alex after Guinness. That, after we watched that, was it a Vertigo? Yeah. I, I've always thought of him as a lecherous old dude. I just could never get that out of my mind. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It just totally ruined him for me completely. He's an actor. But I do think that if we got stuck with someone like Olivier, Lawrence Olivier, or yeah. Alex Guinness, some like like Shakespearean English actor. Thespian maybe, yeah. Yeah, and I think that they could have brought it to because they're they're watchable and your eyes you needed someone that your eyes that even the most boring thing that they're so interesting to watch that your eyes can't be torn away. I or found like myself John Gielgud in Caligula. You couldn't take your eyes off of it. <laughs> <laughs> and if you did, you could always look at the background with the people having sex behind him. But, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, or still, still John, still John Gielgud's another one. I think that I think it really needed someone that had God Mox von Sydow, somebody, you know. Yeah, you need someone that's going to draw your attention, that, and you need someone with a bit of sex appeal. I think. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, w- was these acts already famous by back then, or was just um, starting? I'm not quite sure, but it seemed like the the director had the fight for him. So I don't know. Maybe okay. he was best friends. Well, it wasn't. He wasn't know. a sucky actor. He was given what he he had to work with. I mean, he's trying to be upbeat. He struggled to be upbeat. You could tell he was struggling. I, don't I just don't, that's what I thought. I don't think. I just don't think that he. I don't think he. He has the the. I think like in other films where he's playing a supporting character, I think right. he's very very good. I'm so there's mm-hmm. stuff that I've seen him in where he's supporting character. I don't think he's a kind of actor who can carry a film though by himself. Precisely, and I think that you, I think that that you kind of needed someone who had, you needed someone who had like sex appeal, who had finesse. James Mason would have been good. I could. I would. I if it was James Mason. I would have loved it. Well, look at him in Lolita. I mean, that's that's a, like I was, you know, that's like a really nothing kind of pervy kind of role but because he's so brilliant and you can't tear your eyes away from it you know because look at you look at subject matter about an old man feasting after a 13 year old yeah that's what the whole movie's about and you're like and you're root, you're kind of rooting for him which tells you what good, yeah. you know, how good it is but yeah i do think that and if you got one another thing if you're gonna spend and i mean this film's like what an hour and 34 minutes and it felt like Three hours. For I was me. waiting for the intermission. Good. I was waiting for the old-fashioned intermission that says intermission. 
You know, I was like, I was like Leandra. I watched it in two parts. It's like, okay, I'll finish this tomorrow. <laughs> and it took me three more days to get back to it. <laughs> I cooked my dinner while watching it. Because I said, I was watching it like going, I might as well do something while I'm doing this. So basically I put my laptop up and uh, on the kitchen counter and I was chopping up vegetables. And I was out there to myself, I was like, and I'm cooking dinner. I'm watching it. It's like, okay, well, at least I'm doing something. So I feel like I'm doing something in my life. And then, you know, and my meal finishes. I'm like, oh my God, this movie's still going. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so you have, it, you have it like on the background, you know? It's, it's one of those things that's like, Keith, I don't think I have all the material. Like, just wing it. <laughs> just I it. actually, I mean, to be honest, I, I was, because I actually rented it from Amazon. I did realize the later. I rented it from Amazon too. And I was like, ah, oh, I had to pay for this. <laughs> well, you know, th- I saw because the thing is, I saw it on YouTube, and the th- because the uh, because the colors and the filming were so garish, I figured that if I rented it off Amazon, that it would be a cleaner copy. Yeah. And then when I, I saw you it discovered Amazon, that no, <laughs> no, it's not. That's just the filming of it, and the, and the, and it's as high definition as on Amazon. So I thought to myself, I was like, well, I could have watched it for free on YouTube, actually. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that some of the movies that we do cover, I actually do buy a copy or something like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad I didn't buy a copy of this. And it's an hour and a half of my life that I'll never get back. <laughs> yeah. So I think I'm going to have it's to... bad when we start talking like that. We never beat on movies with that much, but this is just a no-brainer. I think well, I have to. I think I have to pray to God just to get the hour and a half. And why did you forsake me, God? Why? <laughs> you know, I'll do a Robinson I did Cruz, not so. pick this one. Maybe that's why they didn't do a like uh, a remake. And if they may maybe similar movies like Castaway, they put something that probably attract people like a really well known actor and a story like Tom Hanks would have been great in the park, you know, because look at he did in Castaway. You felt yeah. bad for him. You felt everything he felt when his soccer ball floats away. It's like ah. yeah, ex- exactly. I think that that's what that's what was lacking like in this movie. There's like he got shipwrecked as oh. I lost the sheep. Well, I go back. I love the sheep. I love Friday. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be honest, I think I I do think that there's better films that kind of deal with this. I mean, we got you know Castaways you mentioned, Gilligan's Island, (laughs) conduct Gilligan's Island, Swiss Family Robinson, Lost in Space is basically a Robinson Crusoe. Yeah, Crusoe. and then the Robinson Crusoe 2016 movie, which I've never seen. I don't, I think. I've, I've is... not seen it. It's, it's, I think it's free on Amazon, but I probably, it would, yeah, I probably wouldn't have loved it. I don't think I could see it. I'm totally, I'm jaded right now after this one. <laughs> totally jaded. <laughs> but to be honest, I mean, there hasn't been that many um, Robinson Crusoe films. I mean, there's been a lot of films based on Robinson Crusoe where they take oh, it into a series. Like, Was nothing. it Swiss Family Robinson a series? So, yeah, and, and there was a Robinson Crusoe um, 1950s TV series as well. Though, oh, wow. Probably, I think it know. came after Howdy Doody. <laughs> and then, of course, there's a pantomime version of Robinson Crusoe that was um, that was staged as well. That must be fun. Oh, hell no. Robinson Crusoe, <laughs> Robinson Crusoe oh, done no. by mimes. Yay. <laughs> 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 like mine happened with um and then there was like a 1988 animated cartoon for children called classic adventures of stories of robinson crusoe they probably made that a little more interesting animation would have been a little more interesting yeah but um, and apparently it was on friday yeah <laughs> yeah well, i sit there saying like one of the best adaptions of this is a movie called um what was it my man friday or something yes there was so 
you know, what does that tell you? That they've actually found they found Friday a lot more interesting than Robinson Crusoe. I don't know. Maybe I have to see what this. I'm not ever reading the sequels, but I wonder what happens in them. I mean, God forbid there is. When I was actually going um, through this, looking for a film to cover this, because I mean, one of the reasons why we're doing Robinson well, they Crusoe, come out with different. They they kind of take the idea of Robinson Crusoe and they implement it into a screenplay. Yeah, a la movie, you know. But I mean, like Lost in Space. Now that stuff's cool. Yeah, you know, Swiss Family Robinson, I can dig it. But apparently, they did a silent a 1927 silent film of this. Can you oh my god. That way I would have I would have no voice of it. I would have emptied a clip into myself if I had to watch that. So I, but though I would like to have seen the Soviet um, nineteen forty seven film of Robinson Crusoe but from Russia that was in three D. That would be quite fun. Right. Ooh, look, the cannibals are coming at me. Yay. Yay. So, but, yeah. <laughs> I have to say we should have done it with Johnny Depp, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> I, you know, but I have to sit there and say though, I do think that this. I don't. I think the movie, this movie for me, I think it suffers from direction. I don't think it's yes. a very good direction because I think that if yeah. you got one actor in it, you're going to have you know a castaway. The screenplay was probably not very strong. I don't. Well, know. I think I think the screenplay is okay. I mean, the thing is, I think that you know, like if you watch Castaway, which basically is the same story, right. it had Robert it had Robert Zemeckis, and if you don't know who Robert Zemeckis is, Robert Zemeckis did Who Framed Roger Rabbit. He right. also um, directed um, Back to the Future, you know, and all these other films, and you know, and he's an exciting. So he, you know, so there's a lot of. Um, you know, there's a lot of panning back and looking at the island and scenery and yeah. other stuff going mm-hmm. on. And then if you look at Castaway again, you have a, a charismatic actor. You have Tom Hanks. That you, you know, he's the everyman. You know, he's the, the everyman of America sort of thing. And, you know, you care for him. Where this, you know, where in this movie, you don't got great camera work going on. You kind of got, it kind of looks like it's done on a soundstage, even though it is done on location. And you have an actor that basically is as exciting as watching paint dry. Yeah, it's like, like watching eight coats of it drying. I yeah, get this like- excited about golf. At least I get a little more excited about golf, but I don't like golf. <laughs> so. Yeah. Also, I don't know. Probably, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but when I read the the, the first first time the, the book, it seemed that the character was younger. When we when I watched this movie, the actor looked like he's I don't know maybe I don't know like forty. So yeah. I think it's like and that's also there's no emotion. So there's like really was like, he supposed distant. to be a young man in the book? He was like young. Was he young in the book? Well, I, I imagine well, that. He, I mean, if people only lived to about sixty. Back right. In I just day. I don't so I imagine. He, I imagine he probably was like in his twenties when he sailed yeah. out. So yeah. so by the time he went, because you got to remember, it's twenty three years. Twenty three yeah. years. So he was probably in his forties so or fifties at the end of the story. At the end of the film, yeah. So well, I imagine that that's what they tried to like kind of show that at the end he was like. 40 when he left, that he looks 40 when he arrived. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but I mean, but, but didn't we have the same problem with the Count of Monte Cristo as well? That basically he had the same actor at the beginning, and so therefore, you know, he goes to jail, and then he, and then he because he didn't age in the old version. Yeah, and the thing is, yeah. is like, and he's pale and dark, isn't he? And, and then when we see, yeah. when, when he does emerge from the prison with the version that we saw. I like the Richard Chamberlain version of that. He hasn't changed at all. 
the thing is you kind of also you kind of need two actors and this sort of thing or you're gonna have to need an actor to do the job didn't tom hanks when he did castaway didn't he like lose all this weight and everything yes. to play that role mm-hmm. so they they filmed it backward no they they had to yeah no they filmed it and as he's losing weight they're filming it and they had to go back and so we had, had to lose more weight and so they so I think it took about a year and a half. Lost like forty-five pounds or something ridiculous like that. But it took about a year and a half to film it because they had to wait for him to lose all that weight. Yeah, and then they had to go back and then film it. And, I, and you kind of need that, I think, if you want to get the full drawnness. And I do think that maybe Robinson Cruz, because it takes over a long period of time, Castaway is fine because you can age someone in five or seven years. Right. Yeah. To, to age someone for twenty-three years—that's a big—that's a big age gap, really. It takes a lot of spit and glue to get and, that one on there, but. And what they, I think if you're ever going to do this successfully, if you're not going to use CGI for the aging process, I think you're kind of going to have to get father and son to do it, aren't you? Yeah. Get basically. the son to play the first part when he gets there, then eventually turn him into the father by the end, by the time he leaves the island. Mm-hmm. I think also what happens, like, uh, we can't find any empathy, you know, with, with the movie because he gets shipwrecked. Two minutes later, he found all, all the things that he could need to survive, right? So you can have the, it too easy being a castaway. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Rather than, for example, if you, if yeah, you but do you really want to see a mini series of this? No, no. Never. My goal in life is to do Robinson Crusoe in real time. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Have a Robinson yeah. Crusoe cam. Yeah, no, I think I'd rather die first. I think I'm just better off watching Survivor. Yeah. <laughs> At least based they, on Robinson Crusoe. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I had to then say that as far as Robin's, um, I guess well, I guess the best thing to do because I, I, we can either tear this movie even further apart, or I think we should get to our our <laughs> final thoughts about it's book got, and screen. We're being very mean now, so no, I think we're just being completely honest. So, and I'm just glad that um, we are all agreeing on this actually because I thought it was just mean. Well, if I don't like something, I'm not going to tell you I like it for shits and giggles, you know. Just no, no, I thought to be honest after watching after because I, I watched this movie last night. And then I had to wash my brain by watching like six episodes of Vampire Diaries afterwards just to wash my brain of what I'd just seen. I had to watch and, a, uh, a Joe Rondonzo suggestion after I watched it. That's where I, my brain was. Yeah. But I didn't know how you about well, you both felt. And it was quite interesting to see that you actually felt the same way I did. So it's just quite interesting. It was hard. Mm-hmm. It was hard. Uh, I, when when I read the first the when read, uh, sorry when I read it the first time when I was a kid. I found it like kind of yeah, fun, interesting, short, easy to read. Then when I read the like the proper book, you know, and then with all the um full story, then got like heavy. And I didn't enjoy it as much. I think what we're going to do is final thoughts. So what are your final <laughs> thoughts overall? Don't you Leandra? think we've done that final? Well, thought? I think we need to like look at the book and the film and give our just final thoughts on that sort of okay. thing. And then we get to our close. That's right. So Leandro, what are your final thoughts of the book and the film? Um, good movie to have on the background with no sound. <laughs> if you're doing something. <laughs> <laughs> <Or> um, pictures. <laughs> With no sound. <laughs> <laughs> no pictures. Um, 
background the was, noise. <laughs> <laughs> that book was, yeah, meh. I would choose another one. Meh. Yeah, man. Sounds like yeah. a firm meh from Leandro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about yourself, Vix? Well, the book was better than the movie. I have to say that. But yeah. the book was detailed. It, it went back and forth. It covered, it really did. It covered accounting. It covered animal husbandry. It covered colonization. It covered all, you know, human bondage. It just did it all, you know. Mm. But uh, it, the book, was if you just got to get your head set into that time frame, I guess, to enjoy it. I personally mm-hmm. read it and I'm never going again. <laughs> not to, you know, not that I think we, the whole point of this is that me and Keith think that everybody should explore classics. I mean, you should, you have to before they're gone Yeah, <laughs> for one. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we have a, a, we hit on the mark and sometimes we just don't, it just depends on how it goes. But the movie, I just, I could never do that. I mean, maybe to my ex-husband, but never a kid I love. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for myself, I guess um, I admire the book for what it does yeah. and what it's trying yeah. to say, and 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 I do think that I do. I have I've said before, you know, one of the reasons why I hate I read Twilight. One of the reasons why I hate Twilight is because you're with Belle, Bella, yeah, whatever her Bella. name is, and she's such a horrible character, and she thinks she is that in she's the movie so, too. And but she thinks she's so superior than everyone that, and it's sort of in the first person. She's like, I'm this and I that, and everyone yeah. else is crap. And that's the problem with myself <laughs> with Twilight. And Robinson Crusoe kind of does that for me again. That is where, a good analogy, actually. I, 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 yeah, yeah. Right. And you got this person who doesn't have any human emotions, and there's no, there's no human center about it. Well, and that it's really explains kind of, the movies. Yeah, and it's really hard to feel for someone who um, is so autistical so because, you know, and you know, and he never actually reaches his own humanity at all, at all. You know, he goes against his, well, you know, he goes against his father's wishes. He goes on an adventure. He gets his adventure, but he doesn't. But another, another thing, he doesn't change as a person at all. There's at no. All. He doesn't grow. Him. He doesn't grow. And he ends up just becoming a solitude person who wants to go back to the island. And I haven't read the sequels and I probably won't. So I won't go there. But what I can appreciate is what Robinson Crusoe has given us. And it has given us like Swiss family. Robinson yes. tells these stories are lost. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Lost, but a lot of people did mm-hmm. like it. And I liked I liked, it. I loved Lost. I did. Lost in Space. I liked the Gilligan's Island. I liked and, I, and Castaway. I enjoyed, but it has given us a lot. Of, it has sprung off this idea of being a castaway and giving us all these fantastic stories and movies and films. And mm-hmm. it's inspired a lot. So, so I guess that's what makes Robinson Crusoe. And I guess that it is the first, you know, known English language adventure tale. Right. Though I sit there and say that if I was going to read an, a classic adventure tale, I probably, if it became between this, which is only about what, three to 400 pages, 300 yeah. pages roughly. Mm-hmm. And reading Count of Monte Crisco, yeah. which was 1500 pages. I probably read the Count of Monte Crisco. That was painful, man. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good book, but it was long. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but if it came between the two, I probably would read that again before I read this. Yeah. Um, because at least I found there's enough characters and the, there's a lot of character changes and developments and stuff like this. And as far as the film is concerned, yeah, I don't think, you know, 
I think that if you're going to make a film by like this, I think you're going to need to have a a charismatic actor that you that you're basically as soon as he comes on there, you either want to have sex with him or be him, and so that way your your eye your mind's occupied for uh, an hour and a half, and then yeah. fantastic scenery and great camera angles and stuff like this. And this unfortunately does not have any of that for me, and um, I do think that. If I got people at home and I want them to leave, I'm going to put this movie on and it'll help them get out of the house. So, personally. <laughs> I used to get to chase people out of the house by watching the dark shadows in the 90s because they thought it was bad. They didn't like it. People leave. <laughs> don't ask me why. It's like, oh, what's going on? I got to go now. Bye. They would. They'd leave. Are you sure you don't want to watch the rest of this? No. They love and as soon as they as soon as they leave, you take it off. It's like, yeah, they're gone. I, I, was watching. Watch <laughs> I kept watching it because it was anything was better than the Gulf War. Okay. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> So our next classic novel will be Gulliver's Travel. And we are, we're not quite sure which film version we're going to see, which we'll be discussing with amongst ourselves. But of course, if you do sign up to our newsletter, which came out this week at www.llpodcast.com and get a copy of the newsletter, you'll find out which Gulliver's Travels we'll be covering, which the film version is. And of course, we'll be covering Bewitched next week. And we'll, of course, our two for one will be two um, HP Lovecraft inspired films from The Beach House from 2019 and The Color Out of Space from 2019 with starring Nicolas Cage, which are two very, very interesting books, which should lead to a very, very interesting conversation because these are probably two films that came out in 2019 that people either hated a lot or loved. loved. So it'll be quite interesting to see how we um, pro- progress with that one. And of course, we'll be covering our dark shadows. So what I'm going to say is good night for myself. Good night, Vicky. Good night. Good night, Leandro. Good night. And we'll see you next week for Bewitched. And take it away, and your sisters and Dennis Cage. I love that song. Each morning, a missionary advertises with neon sign. He tells the native population that civilization is fine. And three educated savages holler from a bamboo tree. That civilization is a thing for me to see. So bongo, 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 I don't wanna leave the Congo. Oh, no, 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 no. Bingo, bango, bongo, I'm so happy in the jungle, I refuse to go. Don't want no bright lights, false teeth, doorbells, landlords, I make it clear. That no matter how they coax him, I'll stay right here. I look through a magazine the missionary's wife conceals. Magazine? What happens? I see how people who are civilized bung you with automobiles. You know you can get hurt that way, Daniel? At the movies they have got to pay many coconuts to see. What do they see, Donnie? Uncivilized pictures that the newsreel takes of me. So, bongo, 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 he don't want to leave the Congo. No, 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 no. Bingo, 
bangle bungle He's so happy in the jungle He refused to go Don't want no penthouse Bathtubs, streetcars, taxis Noise in my ear So no matter how they coax him <laughs> I'll stay right here They hurry like savages to get aboard an iron train. The Tringalingo Hula Humble Express. And though it's smoker and it's crowded, they're too civilized to complain. When they've got two weeks vacation, they hurry to vacation ground. What do they do, Donnie? They swim and they fish, but that's what I do all year round. So, bongo, 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 I don't want to leave the Congo. No, 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 no. Civilization. I'll stay 